You're listening to Grassroots Podcast, also available on SoundCloud for download and also available on iTunes. My guest this week is a gentleman I saw probably 10 years ago. Our paths have crossed a couple of times since, although you wouldn't know that. It's Terry Sinclair. Terry, how are you? I'm all right. Are you doing well? Yeah, not too bad. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. Really, you too. I genuinely mean that. I followed your your career, but I I saw you 10 years ago at Covent Garden. Went back, had a look on your website. You've got one hell of a story to tell, haven't you? Well, it's uh, it's been interesting. Well, let's start. Let's start right at the beginning. Okay. Were you always musical? Uh, Yeah, uh, my parents were fairly musical, and I think they they spent a few quid on me on piano lessons, which fortunately they weren't wasted. And uh, and although I still play keyboards, by the time I got to a teen, my teens, the guitar was the thing that I wanted to. uh, All my heroes were guitarists, you see. And we had pianists. All you had was Ross Conway and. Um, Mrs. Mills or something Mrs. like that. Mrs. Mills. You know? oh, it wasn't until people like Elton John came along that it made the made piano cool. Yeah, yeah, made it cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So heroes. Um, yeah, they're mostly on the most. Well, so many, I, I love rock music. I love all. I, I love music, but my music. I play folk music, and so my heroes would be people like Bert Yanks, John Renborn, um, Wiz Jones. Right. Uh, incredible. And Ralph Mattel. Ralph Mattel. James Taylor yeah. came into it, and the you know he's. Great guitarist, acoustic guitarist, you know. Do you get compared to Ralph a lot? More to James Taylor. More to James Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody, mostly people come up and say, oh, you sound just like James Taylor, or you're James Taylor's younger brother or older brother. That's just the influences (laughs) that rub off on you, know, obviously. It's not, you're not trying to be there. No, no, no. You are in your younger day. I think what happens is you accumulate all these influences and you try and copy them when you're young. But they all come together, and hopefully you become this individual. You find you your know, own style. You, you try now to. you've always done your own thing. You were saying to me just before we started, you've always done your own thing. Never done the covers thing. Always, always been your own, your own man yeah. to a certain extent musically. I do, when I say I don't do covers, I, I enjoy. I just choose the songs which I really enjoy playing, mm. and a lot of the songs they don't happen to be the the popular songs that you expect most buskers to to perform on the street. Do you think that's why it works? It, it works for me, and I'm lucky, you know. Um, I'm not trying to be. I mean, I'm 64 years old. I'm not. I can't be the the young pop star, you know, um, with an acoustic guitar, which is really very fashionable at the moment. You know, I'm. A, I'm I've stuck to what I, I love, which is folk and blues and uh, acoustic guitar music. I'm a finger picker. I don't mm-hmm. strum it very much, and um, I. I just. I don't. F- I don't f- want to compromise that much. You know, I don't sort of just think, oh, they're going to like this one, so I'm going to play this. You know. So I just stick to what I do, and I, f- I often find that I go the opposite way, and I do some some folk song, three hundred year old folk song, which is seven minutes long, and I make all of a sudden I start making money and get a crown. Yeah, yeah it's a bit weird that one. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah. You think about the success of the spinners. Yeah. Remember them and and they sort of yeah. sea yeah. shanties that they used to they do, yeah. churn out all the time. They were, they, yeah, they were sort of um, what they call probably middle of the road of the folk. I'm not knocking the spinners. I, no, no, I, I no. think they're their place. And there was the, a group called the, the Campbells, the Ian Campbell folk group, which were I think were better than the spinners. Right. And I knew Ian Campbell. Believe it or not, his sons were a, a UB40, the, the two Oh, Ali and Robin, Yeah, Campbell. And Duncan is the other one. That's it, yeah. And uh, I knew Ian Campbell because we, uh, we worked... There's a, there's, a, there's a bit of a twist, the whole thing. I knew Ian Campbell because he ran a folk club in Birmingham and I worked with them um, and supported them on many occasions because I'm from the Midlands. And then when I recorded my first album, 
um, there was a connection there as well because uh, uh, Bob Lamb, who was my producer and engineer and recorded, he'd recorded, he'd made UB40, the first That's two albums. That's right, 1985 it? your album. It was, yeah. Um, I've got it written down, not between two and five. That's the one, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what fascinates me is, we'll get on to other things in a minute, now you appeared on New Faces, 1974. I did, yeah, I did. You're just giving your age away, so yeah. it's, not, it's no secret. <laughs> Good experience? Uh, yeah, I met Arthur Askey. Arthur Askey. <laughs> um, probably the best Tony thing about Hatch. Tony Hatch. Mickey Most. Yeah, Mickey Most did actually make us sound was going to be a record star, so he, he sort of got that. Nine one. out of ten, he got yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, no, oh, you've good. seen that one. I've heard seen that one. It. Somebody's put it on this. Somebody I, I've read it. that. I've read. Well, I have to read up on you. So yeah. It's, 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 so, yeah. so you did that in 1974, and you made the decision to go pro after that. Yeah. Obviously, that's right. they 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 sort of opened that door for you by saying yeah. that you were able to do it. Went yeah. pro. Yeah. Um, okay, scratching around the first. Great. Door. Moved to London. Um, You're originally from Stoke, aren't you? I'm from. Well, I was born there, but I never lived there. Oh, I, yeah. No, no, I lived in Hinkley, which is uh, um, in the Midlands small market town in, uh, between Leicester and Coventry and I moved to London in 74 and uh, t did the folk scene and a lot of wine bars and restaurants and pubs and they do they, you know it was it was a thing in those Lovely, days yeah. background uh, music we it was it, yeah and it was it was a bit soul-destroying but you know but and, and, and the folk clubs I mean, there was plenty of work around though you know so it was all right. do you think of yourself as a free spirit in I'm terms not sure of, about you know, you yeah. play you play yeah. the stuff that you want to play. You're yeah. quite happy in your own yeah. company because obviously there's a lot of motorway yeah. driving and yeah. messing about on your own. You say you're a free free spirit. I, I, I probably am, but I don't. I don't. I've never really don't thought about that one. Don't you know? see yourself as being. No, there. I don't follow any trends. No. I love me. I mean, I love music. I, I can't honestly. I can't understand anybody who doesn't love music. But you know, everybody to their own. But it's just I don't care what it is. I, no. if it, I, I love things like. I was playing some music. I thought this was a street organ. It was one of those old wind up things you still have a monkey you still have thought, a monkey on this is, sounds lovely. I thought it sounds really lovely and my uh, uh, somebody I knew said that sounds horrible you know because mm. you're like well, it's, it's just music it's just another aspect and, and it's it, it's another emotion you know well, I've, I've always said how lucky we are that we do yeah. a job in what I consider yeah. to be one of the two most powerful genres yeah. and it's music and smells yeah, and it can probably, take probably you right, somewhere yeah. straight away absolutely you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. and so do you have a, a, a list of certain songs that immediately spring to mind that take you back somewhere oh if, if I hear something like Ichiku Park or or see Emily play by Pink Floyd see Emily takes, play it takes me straight back to 1967 you know I mean in fact what a year that was but uh, no yeah I mean early 80s was great stuff uh, um, Stranglers and that was, was some great music. Uh, mid seventh, David Bowie David again. Bowie, yes. You know, yeah. um, I could take you could take you straight back to nineteen seventy three. This is how it can take yeah. you there straight away. Absolutely, yeah. This is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So you you basically nineteen eighty two, you decide to put your thumb out, go mm. hitchhiking around Europe. That's right. I did. How yeah. does that come about, and, and what's? Well, my marriage, my marriage had broken up. I'd, I'd, and uh, well, it had broken up a couple of years before. But really, I was, I was free, and and uh, although I'd gone into my relationship a little bit with my present, my present wife, with my wife, yeah, <laughs> my present wife. That's a joke we have actually. But with my <laughs> wife, we sort of got to know each other. But I said, look, I need, I really need to get away for a, for a while. So I, I just 
hitchhiked. It was, I was 31. I mean, it was a bit old to do that. You're supposed to do it when you're 19, not yeah. 31. But I'd, um, I'd, I went on that trip and I got lorry drivers and went down to Greece and ended up in France and Italy. And it was good fun. When I got back to England, I was broke and I thought, well, I'd been to Covent Garden, you know, let's try a bit of busking. So I did. And um, it evolved really I suppose to become what I do today you know most of the performers in Covent Garden there's a lot of variety of performers yes jugglers and you know clowns and escapologists and all. I don't know all of them it's a big family we have a family you know and um, it's been a hell of I mean Eddie Izzard worked there for five years right well, I know him well we worked we worked together we travelled to Dublin and Cork doing you know fest, street festivals it's a good way to and, try your material or to it, it's the epitome of grassroots it's basically yeah, the man yeah, in the street good it's great yeah, I can try out new songs and it doesn't really matter you know, if, if people don't like it they, uh, you know to tell me the truth I don't play a song unless I actually think it's going to work so um, don't, I don't really I never reject anything really no. once I've got it to the playing stage that's it it's going to going to stay there I've joked to the audience that this is your guinea pigs and you listen to this but if you don't like it I won't play it again but I will you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's funny how, how you I've discovered many many times over the years how you you play a song expecting a reaction and you don't get it. Yeah. And it works the other way. You yeah. play a song that you think is a throwaway. Yeah. I mean, you can think about the That's B-sides true. over the years, Maggie May, mm. that was a B-side and then ends up... That's right, absolutely. Go, What's yeah. that about? How does that yeah. work? Yeah. That they turn it over and play something, sometimes absolutely, as a joke. Yeah. Does that fascinate you? That you it, play it? it is, yeah. I, I play some songs, you know. As I say, the popular stuff doesn't always work. You know, yeah, I've got some. I know some really good um, street musicians, actually excellent musicians, that play some brilliant music, and they they play it note for note, almost as the mm. original. You know, and they're very clever, um, but don't make any money out of it, really. No. You know, no. and I just go away and do something um, completely obscure, and and uh, it works well. So. It, there's no rules, there's no you can you can't tell. What's going no, no, nobody's nobody's ever ever found the secret formula. No, not really. really. No, no, I think, but I think believe in yourself. I think that's the important thing. And if you if you perform and sh- and it, and it must shine through that you actually believe in what you're doing. Yeah, and that works. I think. And you tap yeah. into the message of the song as well. Yeah. Obviously, you don't sing a sad song yeah. with a smile on your face. No. Yeah. Well, I've got one song which I haven't finished with, which I wrote years ago, right. um, which is a happy sad song. It's got a really, really cheerful tune to it, and uh, and but the words are miserable, so it's it's that's, that's straight a, down the middle. That a is. great little juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your songwriting process. I mean, looking at the looking at the fact that you've, you've had an album out in '85, another one in '94. Slow. Yeah, it's just one of those. You, it's you not just, prolific. You build you up know. the songs and then you suddenly decide, "I'm going to do something with it." Yeah, I get an idea. I've got lots of ideas in my head all the time, and um, they don't always work out. But I try and sit down. I'm also I'm not I'm not a great disciplinarian. I'm not. Um, I can't sort of do a nine to five or anything like that. No. So I'm driving along in the car and I get an idea and I sort of try and, but I just sort of. I have a little re- digital recorder and I'll just click it on and I'll just uh, yeah. talk into it or something or speak into it. But yeah, you get lots of ideas. Uh, you know, I had an idea the other the other day about, uh, it was quite sad, it was about so it was this old ice cream seller, Italian guy, you know, I thought he was the last of a breed and I thought it'd be yeah. great to do a song around him, Think, you know, imagine he probably came over in the 1950s and mm. he's got a little dirty old van which he's, which he's, he's had since 1965 or something, <laughs> you know, and he's blowing smoke out of the back and he's sold to millions of kids. And it was just this idea of, uh, but it's just, it's, whether it will come into a song, I don't know. Is it the idea that's, that appeals to you first and foremost? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, that this I, an idea comes to my head for a song because the songs are all true stories. So, um, like, I mean, I, I've spent well, I'm 64 years old. I've, I, re I suddenly realised recently that I've spent 61 of them on 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 the Watling Street. By co sheer coincidence, I was born brought up. I was born um, in Stoke, but I'm, we moved to a little place near Alliston, which is on the Watling Street in the Midlands. Then we, my parents, when we when I was two, moved to Hinkley, which is on the Watling Street, ten miles down the road. I moved to London. I said I ended up on the um, Edgware Road for the first couple of years, and then I've lived in Boreham Wood, Elstream, which is on the Watling Street. Uh, now temporarily, I'm, I'm living in Market, which is actually on the Watling Street. So you're going to write a song about that? I thought Roman Road would be great. Roman Road. Roman Road is a great idea for a song. You know, Wonderful. You know, the songwriting process. Obviously, the idea is strong, and then is it waiting for a, a melody or do you? Yeah, I'm str I struggle with melodies. Yeah, lyrics come come quite quickly, but to get a good hook is uh, is quite important, really. And, uh, and uh, I, I see. I hear a lot of albums. I buy great albums, you know, and then you, you get two or three songs on them. And the other, the, the rest seem to be throwaways. And yeah. I, I don't really want to do. Uh, I never like to do an album of, of sort of eighty percent throwaways no. and twenty percent. That's, good that's stuff. obviously the reason yeah. why you, you wait until you've got everything that's that you believe slow, in. Yeah. yeah and also, I don't like. I'm, I'm here now in your studio, but I mean, I'm not. I'm not um, a great lover of studios, you know. Mm. Well, because the problem is when you're performing, it's okay talking, but when you're performing, it's, it's, it's a one-off, and you know once you've recorded that, it's there for the, forever, and um, that worries me. Yeah, you know because I do change a lot in my performance. Uh, you know every time I play a song, it's always slightly different. So I hear that a lot actually. Yeah. Where you, you're creating something permanent. Yeah, it's, and it's very yeah. much a, a moment in time. That's right. Is this going to be the one that I really like? Yeah. You know, and, Five years down the road, down the road, I might think, well, I wish I'd done that. I don't different. think anybody's ever happened. No. Right? When you listen to something a few years later, you'll always Absolutely, say, yeah. and obviously, you listen to the Beatles and the Stones now, and they must yeah. listen to it and say, "There's nothing we can do about it." But with today's technology, yeah. that would be a cracking album. Well, absolutely, you know, yeah. loose as hell. Yeah. I'm not a great. Yeah. Uh, my, my songwriting process is is slow as well because it's not. I don't ever like it to sound forced. Yeah. And and the, like the Beatles, are, God, God forbid, I'm not going to criticise the Beatles, but they admitted themselves that with their strict deadlines, you can hear the songs that were maybe forced that weren't yeah. quite as strong as others. Yeah. I can't, but they they've said, oh, this was forced. This was we yeah. had to get a deadline out. But I think I mean with the Beatles, with Lennon and McCartney, you had two different types of songwriters. Mm. Although they obviously uh, they worked together, but there was I think I mean Paul McCartney was a prolific songwriter, mm. but he knocked songs out. It wasn't. It was like a production. Line, yeah. whereas I think John Lennon, or I think maybe a little bit like that, but he he put more feeling to John his, would think about it. Yeah, that's was. right. He was a thinking man songwriter. More, yeah, you know. But funnily enough, I, just just to tell you a very very brief story, I had a, a friend of mine who was, who was in a I was in a band with, mm -hmm. and he had to do a thing at uh, university. He had to make a presentation, and he said to me, "I don't know what to do. I want to do something on the Beatles, mm -hmm. but I don't know what to do. Have you, have you got any ideas?" And I went, "Yeah." Paul McCartney was an optimist and John Lennon was a pessimist yeah. and that's the reason it worked. It's possible. Yeah. So he, he said, what do you mean? I said, go and listen to it. And he came back came back to me and he said, you might have a point there. He said, because all the miserable stuff and it seems to be John Lennon, yeah. all, the, all the more meaningful stuff. Well, that's stuff, true, yeah. And the happy yeah. stuff, it, like a day in the life, yeah. you've got a happy bit in the yeah. middle of Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney did this. that with him, yeah, yeah. And he said, from that you can tell who wrote what yeah. by, you know, yeah. by, by the moods. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're great songs. I think, I mean, when you take a song like Eleanor Rigby, I mean that's mm. just an idea, complete, you know, work of Wonderful fiction. But, of work. You know, it's great, it's great. But then you've got 
Nowhere Man, which is also Love a fantastic, incredible song, you know. Yeah. Um, but he's it's, it's, it's obviously got the influences of Bob Dylan's lyrics there coming in, you know, mm. in that sort of 65, 64, 65 period. So it obviously everybody was getting influenced by Bob Dylan, who had sort of was a lyricist, you yeah. know. Were uh, you a big fan of Dylan? Um, yeah, but not so much um, as some of my friends were in that period, you know. It wasn't later on that I appreciated the pa the power of Bob Dylan and his and his lyrics, you know, incredible. You think he's yeah. more about uh, making a point than actually sort of melody and I mean, obviously the song. He calls himself a song and dance man, didn't he? Yeah. You know, <laughs> he probably is. To yeah, extent. I'm not sure I'd like him as a person. I don't know. He's, he, uh, I don't know. I don't know what he. I don't know what he is. To tell you the truth, all I know is he wrote these incredible lyrics, mm. incredible songs and a genius I mean it really is one of the best songwriters of uh, phenomenal uh, of that of the 20th century really you know and, um, and and opened up a whole new idea I mean we had folk music we had blues blues and folk music were, 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 were telling stories they were real stories and Dylan just popularised that really and he took the Woody Guthrie thing and took it further and um, one vocal one guitar absolutely yeah stuff, so which the, obviously would have, would have left an impression on you to a certain extent absolutely the, the one man band just to go out there and to make music with a, with one instrument and yeah, uh, and I, I, I did go through this phase in the 80s because technology was moving forward and drum machines came in and synthesizers so I started to do all this sort of stuff that was you, uh, uh, you, you made an album all on your own I it did yeah took 18 Double. months to make it it is yeah. and you <laughs> did it yeah. you did it yourself and I used all midi and you know all the MIDI stuff that was available it was, it was really a lot of fun really that's from the little back room that's the one and that yeah. was so, so that as an album does it stand up for me it's fine I mean I'm proud of it but it's um, I think it, it could it, if it could be done again it would be better yeah. by, a, by a pro no desire to go yeah. back and do it not again not really but some of the songs I'm, I like, I'm pleased with some of the songs I did on it yeah and I still played some of those songs um, but it was by the end of the 80s that I thought you know, I'm getting really bored with the the rigidity of, of, of sequences and drum machines, you know. And for live work, it would never work for me anyway, you know, to, to have a drum machine. I tried it, yeah. experimented with this stuff, but... You don't uh, get the feel. Oh, the fun, no, funny enough, my last guest was a, a friend of mine who's a drummer, and I said, yeah. you don't get the feel from a drum machine of just light and shade. Yeah. You know, don't hit the snare you the don't. same way every time. Yeah. Or, but you, you see, it, wor it worked for, it works for Human League. It worked for these sort of lovely, these German and... British electro uh, craft work was it craft yeah work? you know but I like yeah. a lot, I, I do like that period I like the the, the sounds the the, the 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 synth sounds and stuff and then when sampling came in and and stuff I could hear stuff on Pet Shop Boys and and not I'm, that's just one example but there was so many so many Peter Gabriel was using Gabriel. Stuff, you know and I could hear these sample sounds and that fascinated me and I really wanted to get down this road in fact I've only just sold my I had an Emacs too which I bought in 1990, I think. It was right. great, you know. And I've only just sold it on eBay just in the last month, <laughs> you know. So it was you, basically, from the little back room, just yeah. tells you everything you need to know. You yeah. in your room. That's right. It's a bit like this. <clears throat> it was a small room, and I just set up my keyboards, and uh, we had a DAP machine, and uh, had a few things. DAP machine? Um, it was an Akai um, VHS video machine, and I had a DAP machine, and I bounced one to the other, so I didn't have a double uh, multi-track machine. Right. Basically, I just put one set of sounds down, then I bang on, bang that over onto the other machine, and backwards and forwards. The whole album was done like that. A know. labor of love. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But it was, it was, it, you know, it was like it was. Your fingers were bleeding. You know, the the whole thing was 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 quite uh, strenuous and. Uh, 
but I, I actually at the end of it I was very pleased with it you know for the fact that I did it almost and a lot of people said God, I thought you did that in a, in a proper studio you know I said, no, I yeah it, caught, it came out really well yeah and then you decided you decided since everything you've done since has basically been a nice strip down yeah I think so I, and I, 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 I think if I'd like if I did work with other musicians I'd like to work with acoustic people I'd, I'd like to work with a cellist I love the sound yeah, of a cello Acoustic yeah. guitar and cello or something. Yeah, that piano would work. and cello. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. It's, it's, I mean, I've I've played a few a few acoustic shows myself, and I I, I love the yeah. intimacy of it. There's nothing like it. Yeah, it, it, you you play electric mostly. Do I you? play yeah. electric mostly, but yeah. I, but acoustically, I've always I've yeah. always played it. So yeah. I basically do play it. Yeah, you know, right across the board, right away from. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a, a, a brilliant finger yeah. picker such as yourself. No, well, I'm but, so brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I aspire. I'm more people. Pete Townsend yeah. than, than oh, well, he's a great guitarist. But, uh, yeah. but Pete's rhythms and, and the yeah. things that oh, he's able to find. Wonderful. Uh, we'll, we'll probably have a we'll probably yeah. have a play before you yeah. go yeah. If, if you don't mind. It'd be a pleasure yeah. To, yeah. to play some guitar yeah. with you. So I read somewhere as well that you you believe in the, in the first take. You like the honesty of, of trying to get the first time. Yeah, it doesn't always work, but that's the freshness of it, yeah, because once you've done it a couple of times, yeah. it starts to get a bit, you know, you think, oh, God, let's, let's give this a miss and go back, come back to it later, you know. Yeah, I think the first, the freshness, and even though often it's not quite there, um, and you look back and you think, I wish I'd done that another t couple of times and got it right. Brings me to the, 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 the have you ever heard the story of, um, of um, Scylla Black recording Alfie? No, I haven't. No, yeah, that's no. a great one. I think they did uh, twenty-eight takes or something. But George Martin said to um, um, Backer, 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 came yeah. over just to to uh, to arrange the whole thing. And there's poor old Scylla there. And don't knock. I think she had a great voice. Yeah, I love yeah, those sixties. Yeah. And best version of Alfie. There's no doubt about it. And and but but kept saying, "Well, do another take. You know, that's not quite there, is it?" And I think after about twenty odd takes. George Martin said to Bert Backright, "Do you think we do we need to do another tape?" Bert? Oh yeah. He said, "Well, it's good to get it. Got only that really that perfect take." He said, "Listen to number three. <laughs> and they listened, and that's the one they used. Really? So um, it was still a bit fresh, you know. Because well, uh, you can. Yeah, yeah, I think you can. In, in the end, your ears can play tricks on you. Oh, yeah. You know yourself, and obviously, my experience is that you you spend a whole day mixing yeah. a piece." mixing something and get it all right yeah. and then you go the next day and say that's nothing yeah. like it that's right and you yeah. get in that trap of you, you, in the yeah. end you hear it yourself yeah and it's something as well that if I'm, if I'm working with a vocalist I'll often get them singing in the dark yeah. because they don't always hear themselves yeah. it's that yeah. walking away from that's your right, own yeah. performance Absolutely, yeah. so first take doesn't always happen it, it's some of the best ones I've done I remember on black white album I, I think most of them are first takes uh, there was maybe a couple which we we went through again, but and, and then I mean I did a song, a Brunzi, a big Brunzi number on it, which I would if I did now I would do it completely different, but um, that was the limitation of my guitar, of that song, and in fact I'd never played it live, and I thought let's do this one, and it was Black, Brown, and White Blues. Um, by Big Bill Brunzi and I just played it one off and, and we just used it you know and it just works so it just worked yeah you know but if I did it now I could do it slightly better but, <laughs> uh, we get all yeah, it was, it was 15, 15 years ago something. 1985 yeah. Live Aid it was yeah and yeah. you did Buscade we did we did that was and fun and you performed the song 
Uh, written yourself. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not maybe tomorrow. Maybe not tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. performed it and it was on Breakfast TV. That's right. To another yeah, early Frank, Frank Boff. Ran out, of, <laughs> ran, out of pe- ran out of petrol on the way. They said, well, send your taxi. Well, I was living up in Boreham Wood and, and the White City was the studios. Send a taxi. No, no, it's not driving out. And an old beat up princess and we, me and a comedian called uh, Paul Keener, I still know, um, we come down in the car and got down as far as, I think, um, nearly to White City anyway and all of a sudden we run out of petrol ridiculous so they're panicking at the stage this is like about half a six or seven seven o'clock in the morning we're supposed to be on there at 7.30 or something panic no makeup or anything you just rush straight in down there you don't need makeup no <laughs> but they are actually when the camera was not when, when the camera wasn't on us they were putting us up with the wire in the, with the mics and doing our faces you know so just um, just chaos yeah it was it was alright and, and I I'd, I'd uh, played this song live on you know not between um, was till, not till tomorrow that was it yeah it was a thing I'd written about it was just you know again it was like a, um, what was happening at the time really it was just a, sort of my feelings about what's going on you know, so. first song that you wrote You Don't Need Me it was actually, yeah. yeah. It was well, the first song I actually thought this is a song. I mean, yeah. I've done tried lots of different things, but this, ah, this is. A, and somebody, one of my mates, said, "You can that copyright it." Yeah, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. not a great song, but it was a true story about a mate of mine who's dead now. Yeah, He'd, uh, he was part of our crowd, and he was the one we'd all tried a bit of whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. He was the only one, and yeah, I came back. I'd gone away for a couple of weeks on holiday, come back, and he was. He was using heroin. Just a know. mess. Yeah, he wasn't even a mess then. He was, either we were in Coventry and met him for a coffee, and we we all went they went back at the cathedral, and there was this, there was like people who worked in banks, and they were shooting up, and I couldn't believe it. And at that point, they were still wearing their suits and smart, yeah. you know, yeah. and and then of course the, the, you got the downward path, and um, it was that that, that what well, that, that song was about really, because it wasn't long before he was um, he was heavily. Involved in that scene, it's, you know. I mean, yeah, we this this is an industry mm. where we do uh, fortunately lose people. Yeah, quite often for yeah. the same reason yeah. that they get addicted to the buzz. Yeah, are you able to walk away from your live performance? Have you always been able to you know leave it all on the stage? And walk I've never away been involved and... in the drug scene. Oh no, um, it's been all around me. No, it's been all around me, and I um, f- I was very fortunate actually that that popped made me sick <laughs> it did it did I remember calling around in the mate's house um, once uh, over Christmas time and he's just to say hello and he said roll a joint up and he offered me and I had a couple of puffs of this thing and I was violently sick and I thought I just can't was do it for you then? it wasn't for me no I've always liked to drink no, you know and I've, I've been through the through parts of my life where I've drank too much I probably still do a little bit but I'm more of a beer guy now you know I've, got, I've given up the scotch and coke you know <laughs> which, which, uh, I like that yeah <laughs> a couple now, of pints are doing me now but, that, but obviously what I wanted to ask you about that song was it was obviously it was a, a, a very powerful song for you yeah why did it take you so long to get it recorded was it was it one of those uh, the songs that was just something you needed to express what and then, I think what, what I was the songs I was writing at that time, and then and then by the time I came to do my first album, not between two and five, I'd written a lot of songs which um, which were sort of not co- well more commercial. It was becoming a little bit. It was that period, mid eighties, and and um, you know I'd, I'd sort of forgotten some of the earliest songs I'd written. It was only when I come to do the acoustic stuff that I thought, oh, this I think I'd like to record. Crops this. up I'd again. Like, yeah, I'd like to record. And the guy died actually. Bob died so. Um, 
and you know one of my earliest influences was Bert Yangs and he'd written this song called Needle of Death and well, we know the song but which was also Needle of Death yeah and it's a great song check it out it's on Bert Yangs's first album and then of course that was a big influence on Neil Young who wrote uh, Needle and the something what was it Needle and Damaged Dance Needle and Damaged Dance and he yeah. actually strikes uh, Bert Yanks as an influence you know in fact yeah I think Neil Young um, rates um, Bert Yanks is his, his favourite acoustic guitarist and Jimi Hendrix is his favourite electric guitarist Jimi Hendrix is yeah, I think yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy's pretty much everyone's yeah <laughs> but it, I, I mean Bert was another thing I mean all the a lot of these uh, new guys are now finding Bert Yanks he's dead now he died three or four years ago yeah um, um, but he now a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, what's the guy out Smith's um, Johnny Marr Johnny Marr got into Bert Yanks in the last ten years or so and he was working with Bert you know um, so there's all these trendy new guys are coming along and Thing, finding all this great music. Jimmy Page was heavily influenced by Bert Yanks. Um, yeah, because it's a, the, the fascinating thing about Led Zeppelin is obviously when I was a kid, I say yeah. rock band and whatever. Yeah, nothing like it. They were very acoustic. Nothing yeah. like it. For first yeah. first couple of very acoustic. first couple of yeah. uh, albums, you know, and you sort of go, well, that's because right. I only heard Black Dog and, and yeah. uh, rock and roll yeah. and stuff like that. And obviously, Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, but to hear. Um, Yeah, that's you see, it's very Bert. Babe, I'm going to leave you. That's it. it yeah, that's yeah. very Bert, very folk, um, and uh, he was obsessed with Bert Yanks actually for a period of time. And of course, uh, Robert Plant has another connection. Robert, um, the, the keyboard player on "Not Between Two and Five, my first album, went off with Robert Plant, and uh, within three months, I think, and they did uh, from Zen to here. I think that's uh, right. solo. And I think Phil, who's on my album, wrote practically all the songs on that album. Produced and he was with uh, Robert Plant for several years. You know. Do you think it's important to be? I mean, you're you're an obvious student of music. Do you think it's important to be a student as well as a performer? It's oh, just a passion. It's just, just a, I'm, just a, what I'm a geek. I'm a geek, aren't I? Really? <laughs> well, that's right. We're all geeks. Uh, yeah. I'm a geek as well. Yeah. So a friend, I met a friend of mine's a sax player, brilliant sax player. He owns a, a bar in in Albufeira in Portugal. But he's a great sax player, and he's got Johnny Hooper's um, saxophone bistro on the Algarve. And um, he, I was sat there, and I went over there and I see him, and, and he said to me, oh, "I was on this cruise because he goes on this cruise with to see David Sanborn, the um, the great sax player, right. with with uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen. I see originally, wasn't he? Yeah, it was in the E Street Band. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and 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 uh, Johnny Hooper, big fan, you know. They went with these seminars on this on a cruise, and one of the guys on the cruise that Johnny got to know was a guitarist called Peter White, and he said. Uh, do you know the name of a guy called Peter White? Uh, I did. And I said, yeah, he played on Year of the Cat, the guitar. <laughs> he was actually with Al Stewart for many years right. as, as his lead guitarist and piano player. So that's when I say I'm a geek, I just know little bit. It's li just what we, it's what we yeah. do, though, isn't it? Little bits. So like, I'll point out, I'll yeah. play the Beatles stuff and I'll yeah. point out little bits in it. Yeah. This is, this is it. And, and, and did you, know, do you know, I was listening on the radio yesterday, this, uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand got played, which is very unusual because yeah. it's, you know, but there's two versions to it. It's a German one, isn't it? Yeah, there's one, and there's a bit where the, the lead guitar goes, where George plays, it's a, it's a little bit of a different riff right. in the middle of it. And I remember that from when I was a kid, and my brother said, listen, there's two different versions. 
you know, and I don't know, I still don't know where, where the different versions are. One was a single, maybe one was on the album, I don't know. There's all the stories that if you took the label off, you carried on playing the record, and there'd be bits of them swearing yeah, and stuff in the middle. Stuff, yeah, yeah, there was yeah, they put on it. Yeah, I just love yeah. the idea of that. That the, the um, what, what, like like a, a group of chi- of cheeky schoolboys yeah. to a certain extent with uh, Abbey Road. If we, we'll do this, like the dog whistle at yeah. the end of uh, oh, Day in the Life, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. And your dog goes barmy, yeah. and then yeah. what's, what's all that about? I told my friend about that, yeah. and uh, he said, I don't believe yeah. you. And he, he texted me that yeah. night when the dog started barking. I told you, it's yeah. on the end, we can't hear it. So it's the only way they knew that it's like a dog in the yeah. road. But I'm, I'm a bit like that. And, and it's, well, there's, it's, a, there's, a, there's a Fairport convention. Uh, you, you know Fairport convention? Yeah, yeah. Roger Thompson, all that, Sandy Denny. And there's a there's a song, and I'm trying to think what the song was. And a glass fell off the, off the table, smashed on the floor. Perfect timing. Just left it in. And they left it in there. Yeah, left it in there. It's brilliant. <laughs> Talk about one takes. Twist and shout was one take. Was it? I didn't know that. First yeah. take yeah. and House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. First well, take. you can. T- that's so good in it. Magic, isn't it? Yeah. That's good. that's just sometimes yeah. you, you listen to it now, and that's 1964, 65, and yeah. still sounds great. It does. Yeah. Summer Price Blues. Organ playing on it is just oh, uh, phenomenal. It just goes on and on forever. It's isn't unbelievable. It? Isn't it? Terrific. Yeah. Big fan of the animals when I was younger. Yeah. I, I, people ask me, "Is you're old before your time?" I'm, I'm in my forties, forty-two. Yeah. Yeah. And people say, "How do you know about all of this?" It's because I heard it the second time round. Yeah. I heard it through my yeah. parents, you know, yeah. the Beatles, and, right. and then I've since subsequently yeah. taught. Well, unfortunately, I, I lived through it. You were there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was there. I was I was listening to a busker yesterday, young kid, probably about 20, 20 something like that, yeah. uh, playing. And I said to him at the end of it, I said, "You've got a voice like Steve Marriott." And he said, "Who?" And I said, "I said there's this great singer. I used to be in small a group called the Small Faces yeah. uh, before Rod Stewart came along. And you know, old Rod Stewart was around, but he yeah. you know joined the Faces. And Steve Marriott, of course, he's dead now, but he he, mm. um, he had this l- great voice. I think great. I mean, this is before heavy metal and and all these great these these great singers where you can see where it all came from." And he said, I said, check him out. Love the fact he sang in his own accent as well. Yeah, well, he did. Oh, well, he had a comedy voice as well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. They did yeah. the album with Stanley Unwin. Have you, have you ever heard the... I've heard some They did an album with yeah, Stanley right. Unwin. I know what you're talking about. I made yeah. the mistake, and I, I'll, I'll give him a shout, yeah. Brian Nicholson, my father-in-law, I made the mistake of travelling to, to um, Blackpool with him, and I had a 10 CD mm. thing in the car, and I said, mm. I said to him, I'll bring five CDs, yeah. and you bring... So I had Dire Straits. You know, yeah, it's like, like, yeah, he brings... Pink Floyd, the, that album with the cow's ear. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's called. And then yeah. he brings this album. I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's a small faces with um, Stanley Unwin. It's not the the, the, the It's the really really long smoky one. The one with the um, the home, uh, tobacco thing. T- no, it's not that one. No, that is. A, I can't think what it's called. Uh, I'm gonna have to. Yeah. I'll have to yeah. find out, and I'll, yeah. I'll text you later. Yeah. On. But he brings that and plays it. I'm not, and this is what you're saying. It's very familiar. I don't know if it's just the yeah. It's, it. You hear a song and then it's Stanley Unwin and that you know, strange yeah. sort of way he used to talk. Yeah, that's right. And then he goes into something else and something else. And small faces were. I mean, the, Rod Stewart wasn't really part of it until he became the faces. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He'd been with. Was he been? Had been with Vinegar Joe or he'd been with? Um, not Vinegar Joe. No, that was. Well, everyone's John, done John Mayo. John Mayo, he'd been yeah. with that down that road, hasn't he? And, John uh, Mayo pretty much brought Jim, Jimmy Page, Clapton, yeah. Jeff Beck. Yeah. Fascinating the people that he, that yeah, he that brought was, through. That's right, yeah. And you're obviously, as I say, it's a passion. It's something that we absolutely... The biggest problem I've got is, I forget names. I forget people's <laughs> names. And there's a great, there's a guy called Graham Bond. You must have heard of Graham, Graham Bond. Bond um, yes, I have. He was a sax yeah. player and keyboard player. And uh, he, when you talk about catalysts, he was the guy that brought everybody together. Now, he apparently he's a, he was 
not the nicest of people you'd want to know. I see. There's a great book called Mighty, The Mighty Shadow about Graham Bond, right. and um, he 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 brought together um, Ginger Baker and. Um, Jack Bruce, Jack Bruce yeah. together, and then John was, here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you are, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, because my memory's going. And um, it was the Grand Bog organisation. Yeah, he'd had various lineups, but that was the like, like previous to Cream because they left and then joined Eric Clapton too. So that was, he, he had loads of musicians, and that, he was a, a big catalyst. But he was he was a druggie. He went off and and did um, drugs. It ended up. Running, jumping under a train, I think. Uh, but I mean, an amazing influence. He was the first person to use the Hammond organ, I think. I mean, then people, everybody used it after that. You know, Al Green, yeah. Al, not Al Green, Al Alan. Cooper uh, with Bob Dylan, and and it just became the thing, didn't it? Great it sound. A, yeah, it's a, sort of um, those revolving speakers when they sort of Leslie speakers. Leslie speakers. Leslie speakers. Leslie speaker. Yeah, the Beatles did it uh, quite a lot of yeah. the time. There's there's a book you can get which which takes you through every yeah. session, and they used to plug guitars into it to get that. That's it. Fantastic. Effect. Absolutely. And are you yeah. a lover of sound as well as oh, melody? sound sounds everything. Yeah, I love sound. Yeah, yeah. I love sound. Everything I hear is just, I'm listening to it all the time, yeah. Like the Pink Floyd stuff, it's, oh, it's not just yeah. about the music, it's little things in the background. Absolutely. Little noises yeah. and paint pictures. Yeah, I love Stuff sound. like the wall and yeah. obviously Dark Side. Yeah. So you listen to it. Know, but you know, in the late 60s, they got all the sort of electronic phasing and uh, stuff that we had later on, you know. So they had to sort of improvise. Invite, yeah. Inventing yeah. their own ways of recording that, that's stuff. That's right, yeah. Are you. Um, are you very much into that way of recording? That you are you experimental? That's the word. Well, having two 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 machines bouncing one machines back. Bounce. Yeah. But you see, what's his name um, uh, again? Um, I, I, I can't think of. But I mean, he was he was the Phil, British Phil Spector, and he had a, an apartment down at the Hollywood. There was a black. I don't think it's there anymore. There was a black plaque on the wall, not a blue plaque, but a black plaque. Right. Uh, with his name on it, Joe Meek. Joe Meek. Joe Meek. Right. Yeah. You had to see the plaque then. Yeah, you? I did, yeah. You get a picture in your head, yeah. don't you? That's it, Joe Meek, yeah. And um, Johnny, remember me. John. Uh, Johnny Layton. That's it, and he produced that as well. And all the different. And he used to bounce stuff around. He'd have a. Um, um, microphone in the toilet and all sorts of different sounds, you know, because he did. That song, that Johnny Remember Me, came up on uh, there's a program, Britain's Most Dangerous Songs. Really? And it came up on that. Really? Because it was supposed to be really risque for its time. Oh, right. Well, I yeah. saw John Layton as part of the Solid Gold 50s yeah. show. Marty Wilde. He's probably John, still playing it. He's probably still singing that song. He's still, I don't know if he can get into the jumpsuit now. Yeah. <laughs> it was where uh, the other one, Ricky, Ricky Valens, yeah, there's yeah, about yeah, three yeah, or four yeah, of them. Yeah. And I took my mother-in-law at the time went to see it as I, I, what I didn't realise about Marty Wilde was that he wrote Jessamine by the Casuals I know that's a great song yeah, actually, yeah. It was my, we always sing Jessamine Goes Jessamine Goes, Jessamine goes. goes. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, he, yeah he'd written so you, you think these people go away yeah. it's amazing how they crop up like, yeah. like yourself yeah. you, you, you work with somebody and then you suddenly find they're, they're producing somebody. You say, "I'll work with him." That's right. We're yeah. all on a ladder. It's where, yeah. it's where we are. It's a it's a small world, really. Actually, it's amazing that people have uh, the connections. I was talking about the Bob Lamb and the and the Ian Campbell folk group and the and the uh, you know sort of that whole thing really. Is, uh, so, where's folk music today? Anybody coming through where you? I think folk music is bigger than ever. It's, but the festivals are doing amazing, and there's a lot of young, really good great artists around uh, the folk clubs are, are not doing so well no. you know and I think I, I sort of made this decision it was it wasn't even a conscious decision that I just wanted to play to audiences and not to people in fact if I go to a folk club now mostly older than me you know which is quite sad really you know and um, 
but most of my audiences are actually quite young. A mate of mine who plays all this sort of new stature and stuff and all that, yeah. you know, he's sort of um, the Italian guy, he said, and, and these young students come and bought my album and, and they said, ah, oh, it's so nice when I see these young people buying your music. And I said, well, actually, um, Rob, a lot, a lot of my audiences are actually under 25, I should mm. think, you know, because they haven't heard this sort of stuff. So, no. um, And then this old guy came up to me, this old couple came up to me the other week and said, we're big fans of, uh, of Rob. And so he's <laughs> got the older audience, and I've got the you know, you know. But do you think that's, that's why it works? Is, is, is to a certain extent, music is ageless and timeless. Yeah. And your style, if you don't mind me saying, is a very storytelling, laid back. Yeah, I think style as opposed to being a Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith. Yeah, face, it's just I think you know, it's belief again. I think it's just the belief in the whole thing. If you if it if it shines through that what you do is genuine, mm. you're not trying to. Con anybody. I'm not no, trying to there's an honesty to what, yeah, you, that's what right. you do, I think. Yeah. And you're approachable, people will always chat to you after the shows and yeah. buy your CDs and things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I must yeah. tell you that watching TV the other day, Ralph McTell was on the Plant Streets of London. Oh, right. And it was an old version. It old was an old one. Yeah. one from Top of the Pops or yeah, something. From yeah, from early yeah. 70s, that's the song, 80s, wasn't that, yeah. And 68, 66, actually. 66. Wrote it, yeah. Well, it, I think this, he must have re released it or something. He did. It was. They said he didn't like the song, actually. But his record company said we're going to release really, really it and they're going to do another version of it, which they did, which I don't like the version no. with the strings and the harmonica and all that. Just the simplicity of the, the first the one on, on, on Spiral Staircase came out in 1969, I think. And yeah. it's just so innocent. He's got such a uh, an innocence to it. He's just, listen to it now. But he's playing it and top of the pops. They said if you're in the audience, you have to dance. So oh, <laughs> people throwing shapes like, yeah. like oh, he's playing Streets of London. Yeah, I'm he hated it. it. He hated it. He went off the rails. Actually, disappeared. Went off to America for to hide. He got away from his family and everything. He just really hated the whole period. You know, Donovan. Donovan is a is a character. My first hero, I think. Apart, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I loved the Beatles and the Rolling Stones yeah. and the Animals and all that. But the music that I could feel, this is where I want to go. Catch uh, the wind. And Donovan was the first. That sound, that wonderful acoustic jingly sound. Mickey Most. Mickey uh, Most did it all and uh, compressed it. Well, a lot of that guitar playing were strumming was compressed. Great. Com I could never get that sound. I wanted. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, he was. And he did a lot of the songs. Um, which I, I I still play. I mean, I still play the Universal Soldier, and I do Candyman, which is a I do a lot of Reverend Gary Davis songs, and without him, and then of course he brought me on by hearing him. And then I went on moved. I heard Bert Yanks and all that sort of stuff. Did you realise that the Hurdy Gurdy Man was actually him doing that? It wasn't an effect. Did you realise that? No, I didn't. It was no. actually what, him was it? going the Hurdy Gurdy Man. Oh, because well, actually he's, him doing that funny voice. It's got this vibrato, which is now. Yeah. If he plays now, it's a bit sad. It's just. It's he's, not there now. Uh, I haven't seen it. He's just got this terrible vibrato. I mean, I think you know, Bee Gees did it, and Cliff Richard does it, and, and it works for them. Yeah, <laughs> some, some of the time. But but Donovan now is. Uh, uh, there's a there's a bit on YouTube actually. I've been busking uh, with somebody up in in Edinburgh, I think it is, or in Glasgow, Edinburgh. Um, coached a couple of years ago, uh, playing colours on the street with, mm. with a street singer. And he's I've got a friend of mine who's been to see him yeah. recently. He goes all the time. Yeah. I love all that stuff, Donovan yeah. and, and Dylan. And, yeah. and he's a lover of um, one man, one acoustic. Mm. Yeah. Or, or, or one voice, yeah. one acoustic. Joan Armour Trading does yeah, a lot of stuff. Great. She's one acoustic great guitar. Artist, yeah. And he's uh, obviously John Denver and people yeah. like that. Yeah. The one, the, I mean, John Denver's yeah. a different... Star, yeah. it's still folk, I suppose. Yeah, he was acoustic. Yeah, it was acoustic. It, it, was, nice. it was in the folk genre, I suppose. I mean, Donovan hasn't moved, really moved on. I, I, and 
I still, I still think that early stuff is great. You know, mm. I think it's really wonderful. But um, he didn't really move away from it. Didn't, didn't. I think he just captured the mood of, of the time. That's right. Rather yeah. than if you listen to it now, you, in, in order to appreciate it, you need to be able to have felt. Yeah, I think that it was good. It those was good. times, but uh, it, it just took me on into another direction because I, I, I actually, I, what happened was that we, I, I was very much into that stuff. I knew that this is, I love this like this kind of music, you know. And then um, there was a guy in my in my um, brother's class at school. His brother's two years older than me, uh, in the same school. And he got up on. We did a school concert, and he got up and he played um, songs, Bert Yank song, "Needle of Death," believe it or not. Right. And, uh, and a couple of songs by a guy called Jackson C. Frank. Uh, right. I don't know whether you're aware of. Jackson I'll have a look. Frank. I'll have a look. Uh, I don't a very important, very important figure on the British. This is what I'm here music, for. I'm here yeah. to learn as well. Yeah. Yeah. And tragic, tragic, because he's. I, I, it would take too long to explain now, um, but. Um, Jackson C. Frank, he played these songs, and that, this is what I blew my mind away. This did, and um, Pete went on to join Caravan. He actually became Jeff Richardson, joined Caravan, and then formed the Pigsty Hill Orchestra. Right, you know, not Pigsty Hill Orchestra, the Penguin Cafe. Penguin Cafe. Penguin Cafe. Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Penguin Cafe Orchestra, and he also has toured with Goldoff and all over the world playing um, uh, viola. Viola. Yeah. So he, anyway, a proper musician. A proper musician. Yeah. And he, no, he, he's got a studio in Canterbury now, and uh, he's he's well known. He's just you know, but uh, he doesn't know me. He know he will remember me. He'll remember my name. He'll remember my brother more than he'll know me. But I've cited him as as this guy that played at the school concert. And uh, was that an epiphany moment for you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think there's been a few. But that yeah. was probably definitely one of them. And of course, I had to buy the album, but the first Bert Yanks album would be about 1965, 66 or something like that. I had to buy that album. And then it sort of moved on from then. There and, um, Tell me about Tony Savage. Tony Does that Savage. Ring a bell for you? Wonderful man. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, had an influence on your career very early. Uh, just an incredible Leicester guy. He had a private press, he, was, he ran folk clubs. He booked me out, even though I was rubbish, and booked me out around the folk clubs all over the country, <laughs> supporting people like Martin Carthy and Don Partridge. Do you know Don Partridge? Now? I know the name, yeah. but I'll have to research. Yeah, he's, gone, he's gone now, sadly. Famous bus guy, uh, big hits. Um, but he booked me out and, and do these folk club gigs, which in those days, folk club gigs were, you know, you, took, you, you, you turn up to a pub gig, a folk club, and there'd be 150 people in the mm. audience. The, play, the room would be packed full. And there's me, this 19-year-old kid, turning up with an acoustic guitar, singing James Taylor after Fire and Rain or something like that, and doing these songs. And they loved it. Good Fa reaction. Fantastic. And, yeah. and I, can, I can't imagine how bad I was. But um, it was, it worked, you know. And I, and, but Tony was great. And he, and he, he just great um, in my life. He was great guy you know like a father figure I suppose but he um, big fan of Spike Milligan yes yeah. he, didn't he write for Spike or no he, or, he published, he published the... po but, but only and only recently in the last couple of years I met Jane Milligan who is Spike's daughter right. um, and because Spike had been married again and, and the family the children never got on with Spike's new wife and, right. and she, she they didn't inherit, inherit anything she kept the lot so um Jane, I said to Jane, "Oh, do you know the do you know the name?" She was actually playing in in the Mamma Mia musical in the West End, right. and I said to her, "I just approached her. I said, Tony Savage mean anything to you?'" She said, "Yeah, my father printer." So I said, "Well, I've got some handmade, um, handmade paper, handmade, hand printed stuff of, of spikes of your father's stuff. I'll bring one along for you." And I'd seen actually on online some of this stuff's going for about a thousand pounds. You know, I've got a stack of them. Like this. Oh, now there was somebody who would tap into an idea, Spike yeah. Milligan. 
fantastic. Were you a big yeah. fan of Spider-Man? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the yeah. Idea, obviously, yeah. the children's rights. Well, it was a bit late for the goons, but I, I mean, yeah. I, could, I could really relate to Spike Milligan's uh, genius and comic uh, adventures. And, yeah. and, of course, Monty Python came out of all that, that yeah. thing, didn't it, really? You know. But I've always loved the... Uh, I've lo always loved the war memoirs of yeah. oh, and yeah. I forget that my Great. partner's downfall and, yeah. and all of that and yeah. I actually got I've got it somewhere of him actually reading it so yeah. you get the voices and you get yeah. the energy and yeah. stuff yeah. like that so get back to your career where are you with the concept that once a song is done published and recorded you don't technically own it anymore and people will make of it whatever they want to make of it I think I do. We all do that. I That's think the point. you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, all my life, I've taken a song and, and it's affected me. I mean, I, I've, I, I, when I was young, I remember, having, you know, you'd have a crush on a girl mm. and you'd listen to a certain song, and you, that was about that girl. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's funny. It's, yeah. It's, it's funny because it's a very blokey yeah. thing to do. Yeah. When you get in a new relationship with you, you give yeah. somebody a mixtape of your yeah. favorite song. Yeah, you know, no, no. This, this yeah. song says it better than I can, yeah. but that's true. Yeah. And it, 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 certain songs, you'll say, look, it's no good we trying to explain. Just yeah. have a listen to, to this or have a listen yeah. to that. Yeah. So people make of it what they, what they want to make Absolutely. of it. It doesn't matter. The original message doesn't Not matter. Really, no. I think you're going to make your own thing out of a song. Yeah, right, well, I have to ask you about If I Fall In Love With You. It was used in... The upside of anger. Upside of anger. Yeah. The upside of anger. It was just a weird thing came along. How did that come about? Oh, was it? I don't know. I really don't know. It's like people buy you. You're selling your CDs. People see you like you came and saw me. And uh, I was in Italy because we 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 actually spent some of our life in Italy these days. And I, I got an email through while I was in Italy. This is ten years ago now. And and uh, we said, and this guy said, uh, we we were like American guys. We. Um, um, we've got, we would like to use one of your songs in a, in a film, might buy the film, or um, would you um, would be interested in taking part in this in, in very exciting venture or something, mm. you know? And I'm going, well, yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why not? Cost, no, you know, yeah. it's only quite good to me. Why not? And, then, and he said, you know, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars, thousand dollars, whatever. And I said, that's great, yeah, fine, we'll go along with that. And um, then, then the producer, who happened to be the director's brother. And they're like a couple of New York market traders, these guys, you know. And he, he phoned me up and said, yeah. So I said, yeah, this fee. And he, and he immediately halved it, you know. And I could hear him, and I'm going, well, that's not very professional. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you want, what your, your office has offered me this amount of money and you're halving it. And uh, so I sort of, oh, I went, well, how about splitting the difference? So we split. And I could hear him almost go, you know, and yeah. doing a deal. And I, I, I should have gone a bit higher now. You can't think of, of people at that international level being. You're talking. I, I was talking. Sawdust, I was talking about over about a thousand between you know sort of a couple of thousand dollars, which wasn't much in those days. You no, know, because it was. I think it was only about fifty p to the uh, or fifty. I don't know. So about, yeah, fifty p to the pound. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to re-record it? Or no, no. They just, just took, took it off the album. Took it off the album. They used twenty. On seconds of it, you know, which was nice. Is it over the end credits, if I remember right? It is, it's all in the credits, on yes. the soundtrack, and it's all that, you know. Yeah. But I only got a one off payment, I didn't get any royalties for it. So. No, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's nice, it's to, nice to have it. You nice know, to have it. You put it in your place. Is it one of your, so one of your proudest moments? But I bet if I asked you if it's your favourite song, you'd no, say it's, it's not, not at all. Not at all. In fact, I do play it um, from time to time, but it's just uh, only because I can mention that. <laughs> it's the uh, one that stuck in my mind yeah, the first time yeah. I saw you. I think melodically it's got a great tune. Yeah, um, lovely, lovely yeah. tune. But so. I think lyrically it's it's a it's a twenty year old writing love lyrics. You know, yeah. which 
don't make a lot of sense really these days. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But it, you know, perhaps it does to other people, but it's just, uh, uh, you know, it meant something to me at the time. I, sat, I, was, I wrote three songs in one night. I remember being uh, moved to London. I was just so, and I was sort of living in a bed set all on my own. And I just got, got this job in a, in a, in a shop. Um, department store and I met lots of young people that my, well my age was slightly younger but, and I got a, met this girl and uh, thought she was great and she was getting married to some guy mm. the following week <laughs> it, why is she married him she yeah, should yeah. marry she like she got with me you know <laughs> and, uh, yeah. so I sat there writing, writing this song that night I remember writing it you know but I think that's why that, that's why so many songs are about love yeah. and real emotion yeah. because unless you fall in love and write that song yeah. you can never get the, the feeling yeah. and you don't strike me as somebody who, who, who's yeah. a, really a, a storyteller you don't write stuff about imagining I mean obviously you, t you told me about the you know the 1950s ice cream man and well uh, now I'm writing artificial folk songs I suppose fake folk songs because I'm writing songs about real events uh, mm. the, the last few songs are all about I was hoping to write a whole series of songs on, on the Covent Garden area because I know the area very well and I got very even involved in the politics of the local area mm. um, and uh, so I started to do my history and I've always loved London anyway history of it Yeah. so I started to look at murders and th things that happened on the streets of Covent Garden so happy little folk songs if you like yeah. with real dark yeah and the, I've, I'm doing I do a song now Brilliant. which I've written called The Merchant's Daughter which is about a pimp who used to uh, work in Cobb, live and work in Covent Garden called Jack Harris and there was a book actually printed for 40 years running the 18th century called Harris's List of Covent Garden Ladies and it ran every year it kept changing all the ladies in it you know and um, he brought this young lady down from the north of England called Charlotte from Newcastle uh, on the pretense that he would marry her went up there and actually she fell in love with him and he brought her to London right then he sold her off to some lord uh, some rich guy actually yeah and um, and so that's what the song's about and I use, I play it all the time now and I wrote a song about uh, uh, Martha Ray who was murdered on the piazza in Covent Garden in 1779 so it was, I thought I had this idea of writing I said oh, could I fool people if I wrote folk songs yeah. but make them sound like they're real folk songs could I fool people you know yeah um, and certainly not <laughs> you can't no, fool. nobody's fooled for a minute well, not in the folk scene anyway <laughs> they know they say straight away because they know all the, 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 there's a, 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 a sort of finite sort of amount of songs that are uh, you know people know but um so, but I, I, I could, uh, I could, I could fool the, the public, I suppose. I don't. No, you, say, I call it a fake. But it's a fake folk song. It doesn't know. matter if he's yeah. got a point. It's a true story. Yeah. It's a true story. It's just like telling a story in a the piazza. That's where the um, busgate was. Performed well, the piazza is that is that is the whole is the area around the main market building because mm. there wasn't a market building there when it was first laid out. Inigo Jones, I won't go into it, but right. he he designed this uh, this for the Duke of Bedford in. 1630 something 33 and he designed this whole piazza he'd been to Italy he'd seen all this stuff and, yeah. and came back with this idea of and uh, the Duke of Bedford had his 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 big mansion on the strand there and, his, and he said I want, he had this land and he said I want you to we're going to make this a housing estate for rich people for the aristocracy right. you see and they laid it out and not, none of the original buildings are there now the church is, is some of its original uh, there's one building I think now which I've just written an article about, which, which is um, the oldest building in Covent Garden. But it, you know, it's um, it's still historic. And so you're a historian as well. I right? just love it. Yeah, I love it. And Again, I, it's a passion thing. Covent Garden was it was was Sodom and Gomorrah of, of London. It was the red light district in the in the 18th century. 
all your brothels and your coffee houses and banios and the girls around town and mixing with the actors and the poets and the artists because they'd all moved in um, and in fact they were all on the same they were all categorised you know actors were were the low life in those days right. you know? so um, and because they'd, they'd opened up the two theatres the the uh, the, the, um, the, the Theatre Royal which was the first theatre and then the Covent Garden Theatre which is now the Opera House they right. were the first official theatres licensed theatres in London so um, you know they stopped all the theatres and they stopped everything that was funny and happy and and uh, and um, and then Charles II came along and said, let's have a ball you know and uh, he had a load of mistresses and uh, yeah that's right <laughs> let's have there's some fun and theatres and why not he lived a rock star song life. and dance let's have some song and dance yeah, living so, a rock star life yeah. if you like so it all opened up and Covent Garden was the place I mean it was the uh, it was the it was the happening place in London. Really. And now you're there. Are you, prefer- are you there at set times or no? I mean, I, I just again, I've just got involved in it from 1982, really, and then and then so I, I, as it as time went on, I mean, in those days you were you were just a busker, you know. Yeah. And then now I was going to ask you, busker yeah. or street performer? Street performer. Street I think performer. I don't mind either actually, but doesn't matter. Street and street. We're street entertainers. Street, music, street yeah. performers. Yeah. The Eddie Izzard would call it street theatre. Yeah. You know, which I can relate to because he calls it street theatre. He's a, um, um, I Eddie's style is more yeah. theatrical than most of the others. I think that's probably the. It is, yeah. But he call, he calls he's still very much involved in 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 this. I mean, I'm, I didn't go. I was in Italy actually, but just two weeks ago, um, the, um, the thirty of the buskers sort of performers in Covent Garden were invited to go to his show in in the West End for the charge. So they all, he's very much involved with it. He remembers where he came from. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah. and if he comes through, you'll see me. He's, he'll go like that, and we go for coffee or a drink yeah. or a pint, you know. So. Do you have a benchmark song? Everybody has a Sergeant Pepper. Do you have a, a benchmark song that you think is the best you've done to this point, or do you think that, that you, can, you can fall into the Tony Hancock trap of that's the best I'm ever going to do? So no, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm proud of quite a lot of my songs actually. There's one song which seems to make more effect on people than any other. It's probably Different World, I should think. Different World. It seems to. It seems to. That's the song that people seem to remember me for. You know. Um, but that's is not, that always in your set? I have to do it. Yeah, I do yeah. it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm quite, I'm, pr- I'm proud of that song. Mm. Definitely. Is that one of your older ones? It's on one of your, one of your early albums. No, it's just, it just came out. Uh, well, it's on black white actually. But so uh, it is. It's about sixteen years old actually. But yeah. um, I, I mean, I don't. As I said, I'm not a prolific songwriter, and if I write, sometimes I go through a whole year without writing a song. And yeah. And then I'll do another year, and I'll write three or four, and and then after about five or six years, I'll perhaps think, oh, maybe I can put this together. It's fascinating how we how we uh, a friend of mine used the expression, we just put our head down, and then we suddenly realise yeah. five or six years. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I haven't done anything for years, and, and you, but you have these little ideas, and yeah. one day you sit there and you go. I've got to do something with yeah. it. It's starting to take up space Absolutely, in my head. Yeah, that's right. Because we're not, yeah. we're not great. I'm not brilliant at demos. Yeah. It's very much I've got this idea. Yeah, I know. That's and right. And the idea yeah. comes back. Have you ever had that idea in the middle of the night? You ever dreamed any of your songs? Yeah, I have. Yeah, and I forget them in the mornings. That's why. Yeah. I, you I wake thought, up and is it? Oh, you're somewhere and there's a melody. I think in the I'll, I'll record that, but then I'm going to wake him up. So. Um, uh, I've got a digital recorder and then if yeah. I do it I'm going to wake her up so I'll, no, I'll leave it I'll remember it in the morning and, then and it's, it's gone, gone. It's gone completely. yeah it's, it's in a dream somewhere yeah. you're standing somewhere and there's a there's some music right. in the background like yeah. almost like a yeah. film that's right and uh, you can't because yeah. obviously yesterday was a dream Paul McCartney ham and eggs ham and eggs scrambled eggs scrambled eggs, eggs. <laughs> scrambled eggs and, it's uh, when you yeah. when you come up with a good tune um, often you you really do believe that you've copied it and I think 
Paul McCartney said this many times because he, by well, the time he'd written yesterday, he kept going to all the guys and saying, it can't, can't, it's too yeah, good, it can't it's be too me. Good. And yeah. I went around a different world, I thought, I've, I nicked this off somebody, you know, because it, because it, I wrote it very quickly. Yeah. It came, it came in one night and in about the space of an hour or two. And, and, um, it's almost like the, you know it. The best songs do come like that. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It's like almost like a radio signal comes into your head and it's like, there's your area and you pick up this song. Yeah, like, you pick yeah. up a gift. If, yeah. Somebody said to me once, all the songs are out there. So yeah. if you tap that's into right, it, you just got to get it. Yeah. But that's true, yeah. I think maybe if you if you write a song in 20 minutes, do you think that it's listened to and, it, and, it, and it's listened to in the same way and it is like people tap into it I, straight away? Am I right? So you could write a song in 10 minutes, but it doesn't, that's not the finished song. No. I mean, I think all my songs evolve and if I listen to recordings of um, stuff I did, you know, wrote and recorded now even yeah. five years ago, they've changed completely. I mean, the song I do, Hardest Part, is totally different to the version I did on, on the album when I've recorded it now. It's You're constantly called, reworking. Uh, yeah, they just change, they evolve. I don't think about it, but they just evolve. And I think, well, it would sound better if I just put a, or in a live performance, I'll just do a slight change of of intonation or something in the voice, and yeah. and, and it thought, oh, I'll keep that. Cause I'll it do sounds that. Good, yeah. Yeah, because live live music is where things happen. Yeah. You, you can rehearse as much as you yeah. want, but I've always said if you, if you get live, that's, that's where right, because yeah. you're entertaining, because you're in the Absolutely. moment. It's it's. I am very much a live performer. That's yeah. why I'm, I'm, I'm I am uncomfortable in the studio because I, I feel like I need to perform to an audience. You know. But just going back to what you were saying, I mean, I'm not, I think of myself as a as a performer that writes songs rather than a songwriter that, mm. because as I said, I'm not a prolific songwriter, but what I am is I, I aspire I aspire to be a good guitarist more than anything else. My voice, everybody comes and says, you've got a great voice. Why don't they say, you're a great guitarist? Because I love that, you know, but... Uh, the guitar kind of just comes with it though, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's like people, they listen to your voice, but they don't always appreciate what yeah. you're doing on the yeah. guitar it's just like the mechanics is well I don't think of myself as a great singer I just I just am a singer I, I've something I've just opened my mouth and sang since I was a baby you know so mm. it's just something that comes naturally uh, obviously the voice matures and whatever guitar playing is a struggle you know to play an instrument well is a struggle and I, and I practice constantly to become um, to become to get better and you want to a friend of mine who's a really great guitarist in, a great musician plays anything mm. um, said to me the other the other day because he watched my show and he said yeah you're getting better you think you're getting better I said well I would hope so I don't know but you can't tell but are you a doodler do you doodle around at home yeah all the time yeah the time? I do love the same riffs <laughs> <laughs> I do but um, and, and but there's I get an idea I mean I've, there's a song called Candyman which I think I mentioned earlier mm. Reverend Gary Davis do you know Blind Gary Davis Blind Gary Davis yeah um, big fan and uh, I do quite a few of his of his songs, and I do um, Candyman, which is I've, for years and years I tried to get this little riff on Candyman. It's a syncopation of of, of the finger picking, mm. and um, not chord wise, it's very easy. Yeah, but it's but all it's, yeah. So um, and it just recently it just came together after years and years, probably twenty odd years of trying to. And just re in the last six months, it actually came together. I thought, oh, well, I'm getting there on this. It just suddenly gets you, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Now I'm, I would never have included it in the live act. Now I bang it in just about every show I do now. It's funny how music finds you. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, I've always yeah. said if you go looking for it, you never find it. That's right. It'll just yeah, find yeah. you, and you fall yeah. into it. You've yeah. obviously had a long uh, yeah. career, and there have been times when you, you said to me you, you worked as a drama instructor and you did other things. Yeah, but the music was still there. It's just you needed. Yeah, I think I'm, 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 take a break from it. And there was there was no gigs, so I I, I, I thought, what well, can I need a car? Actually, I saw, I actually got a job as a record seller. 
selling uh, selling uh, not CDs albums to chemist shops and news agents for a company because that in those do you remember the old days you could buy a record Pickwick well that was, was we, sold the, we sold Pickwick well, Pickwick? we sold Pickwick yeah. yeah and music for pleasure and, and they were all blood. cover versions were they some were well some? there was like the world of Decca and all that sort of Decca stuff Decca and yeah. And yeah. then the top of the pops albums were the, were the women on the front, and they were all covered. Oh, they were covered. But the they were ones, yeah, yeah. I remember them as a kid. Right, so you could go into chemist to buy these. So I worked yeah. for a record company, which with a t- terrible name. Uh, they um, and uh, we had a van, and we stocked up with this van. You go around all these um, chemist shops and um, news agents, and um, and, so, and take your records and fill their racks up, whatever you know. And I had the van thrown in with that, and then I just got bored with that. So I, what can I do? I need a car. And driving instructor, so I took a job as a driving instructor, and I did it for three years. Did my or did all the exams and did really well. I actually enjoyed it. Summer's day, I'm out the window. Yeah, smoking in those days, you know. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and lovely ladies sometimes in the yeah. seat next to you. Terrible, isn't it? It's yeah, terrible. it's much as we can do. To absolutely, <laughs> and um, it's just a really nice job. But I, after three years, I just wanted to get back into music. Met Kim, my wife, and uh, she was she came in. She was a similar sort of thing really. She got made redundant. From a job and needed a car it's a job with a car and a driving instructor i sort of took her out on a first well you know she needed some extra well i had to check her out and driving out actually i think that's what i was and the manager said yeah, us, she's come for a job and so i took her out and um that was his history is kim influential in your career is she really and yeah it's very supportive yeah yeah she's great she's, she's a medic they just know what to say yeah, she's um, she's a medic she's a midwife and uh, she's very good in her job she's she's been a senior midwife she's she's uh, gonna take semi-retirement in the next couple of months actually but um yeah she's uh she's great and she's very uh, very good at her job um, and but not really involved in the music side no. of anything you know and uh, we have probably we are, we, are, we come together on some things, but we haven't got necessary common taste. No music, you know. Do you ever have the conversation where you'd be in a restaurant somewhere and mm. you'd be chatting, and then all of a sudden you go, "Hang on a minute," and you, all the time. Well, you never switch off. All the time. Uh, all like, the time. Hang on a minute. I've just remind me. I've heard. This. I've not heard this song for years. All the time. Because music is just is just there, isn't it? All the time. You can't leave it alone. It's not like breathing, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's like oxygen yeah. to us. It's and, and unless you do that, you can't always understand. And that's why you can't understand when, when you're basically performing on the street. And I was actually talking to that same guy about who said, "Are you going to think you're getting better, Sammy?" And he and I said to him, "You know, you play, and then because he performs on the street, but he said, uh, and you play, and people just walk past, and yeah, they don't even look at you. They, you're totally ignored. Yeah, and they're not like us. The thing is." We can't do that. No, we, you know, no. if somebody's playing music, you would have to stop or even look and and, and think. Well, what are they doing? Is it? Is, what know, are they playing? Yeah, uh, but not everybody's like that. So you can't actually blame people. No. It's just we're all different. You know? Yeah, I mean, if I was a bricklayer, I'd probably stop at every wall. And yeah, <laughs> examine. Uh, examine. Is this level? Yeah, take look at spirit level with you. Take my plumb line. Yeah. I'm old enough to yeah. remember plumb lines. <laughs> take your plumb yeah, line. Right. So what is the future? You've got a new album out. So a newish album, Hard Times and oh, other it's not two years. Couple of years yeah, ago, yeah. Um, a good album for you. Um, I recorded on my own again. I took a digital record to Italy. I recorded half in Italy and half here, uh, just a, uh, an eight-track digital machine, and um, just recorded it. Do you write differently in Italy to how you do over here? And this is it's a strange question, but I think because music's based on emotion how you're feeling and and do you, do you find that maybe the songs you write in italy have a different feel to them i think i have more time because i can switch off when i'm in italy i can switch off um, we just go over there we've got a small house 
and we just I just go it's in the mountains and we just I just switch off really you chill out for mm. a couple of weeks and uh, we just come back we were out there you know well, anyway that we flew out actually just for a few days and because um, I'm in the moment I'm in a big process of change at the moment I'm I've sold we sold our house which we've had for thirty odd years and. Um, we're gonna we we are actually moving onto a boat. We've uh, we're having mm -hmm. a large, what they call a wide beam narrow boat. It's right. a bit of a contradiction there, but a wide beam boat at seventy four. That's a very folky thing to do. Actually, um, this it? is this is state of the art. This is bespoke. You I, we want my, Kim wanted a, a kitchen as good as the kitchen we had in Boreham Wood, which right. was a, a brilliant <laughs> kitchen. We had it all done. We had spent a lot of money on this house, and um, so we've, we're having that. It's going to be state of the art. Um, lovely. It's going to be. It's not. It's not just. A, it's not one of these things where you've got the buckets painted like the old barges you see. Now this is. This is proper. Some, this you is look excited about it. This is like, something new, and this yeah. is great. We're, Terry's more, face is lighting up here as, yeah. he's, as he's thinking about we're, it. We're, we're problem finding a mooring. We've got a mooring, and our next mooring, the person, the people in the next bay to us on the mooring, um, she's an Olympic champion um, uh, fencer. Right. <laughs> Don't mess about with her. Yeah, yes, the young girl really, but you know, and and, and her partner is um, is is a, is some, works in one of the film studios. But you know, he's got there's a lot of the old boats as well. But there's there's is another state of the art. Well, that's going to be a whole new feel, isn't it? It's going to be a new feel, yeah. So we've um, there'll be an album in there somewhere, Terry. Maybe I can sit down. And, I've got a special. It's two bedrooms. We've got a, one room's going to be a music room. And a music room or spare, a separate bedroom, so we've got a yeah. bed that folds down, where people stay. Or you know. music room is an important it part is, of yeah. what we do. Yeah. I think this this little room that we're in now. Sometimes if I'm not actually doing anything, it's just you just sit there and you're surrounded by it's your what shed. You do. It's, it's your shed at the bottom of the garden. It is. It's a shed at the bottom of the garden, and our tools are slightly more expensive that's than right. a hammer or, yeah. or whatever. I mean, you, right. you said to me when you walked in, you've got some gear in it. Yeah, yeah. I do so many projects from the from the full band right the way through to solo and duo yeah. and acoustic yeah. performances. So there's so much stuff in here that's all right, the time, yeah, yeah. and you sit, you sit, it's surrounded by your yeah, tools. Yeah. I suppose like a carpenter would sit there and sort of go, "Look at his chisels." When I get tired, look at his chisels. Yeah, staring at the chisels all day. When I, when I get, get myself some new chisels, saw, yeah. So yeah. hard times and other riddles. Yeah. All, all the uh, albums and all your information is available on your website. Can yeah, you remember yeah, it off the yeah. top of your head? www.terrysinclair.com. That's it. Terrysinclair.com. Yeah. Go on there and find out some information. That's right. Obviously, yeah. I'll put the links on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Terry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for listening. See ya.